Welcome to The Well Podcast. We pray that this message ministers to you and blesses you as you listen. It's um, as we were coming to the end of uh, worship, I was thinking about the hymnal, um, I Shall Not Be Moved. Um, anybody remember that song? I shall not be, I shall not be moved. I shall, let's sing it. Let's just sing it. I shall not be moved just like a tree planted by the waters. I shall not be moved. Because he reminded me as I was standing there that we should be like the tree planted by the waters. If we're planted and firm in the ground, and we're, our source is him, he is the living water that feeds us, then we can sing without a shadow of a doubt. We can sing those songs that it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul no matter what else is happening or what else is going on around us. Paul said, right? He said, I can be uh, in peace, in season and out of season, in prison and out of prison, with much, with plenty, or with little, he said. That's something that we strive for, right? Because it's not always easy to obtain or a place easy to be. But his peace passes all understanding. And in the midst of the storm, there is peace. There is peace that, that can come over us and that we can walk through whatever that storm is, although it may be raging all around us. When it looks like we're surrounded, we know that we're really surrounded by him. And that just like those disciples, Jesus was asleep in that boat, and they were so concerned. They were so worried about that storm that was raging. And he's like, why are you even, I'm with you. Why do you even bother me with such things? <laughs> why are you even concerned? I love the way he talked to them, because I feel like that's the way he talks to me, like, you're being ridiculous, right? Has he ever talked to you like that? He's like, you're being ridiculous right now, right? <laughs> And so I think that's amazing. It's interesting because um, I've been thinking about the disciples uh, quite a bit as they walked with Jesus. Uh, lately, it just seems like in our services when we come together, there are different stories that, that, uh, that come up about the way they walked with Jesus. And, you know, it's very interesting because they were willing to come with him. You know, he bid them, come, come with me and I'll make you fishers of men. And he, and he pulled Matthew, the tax collector, from his job, lucrative job. I mean, he was making good money. He was successful. But he said, come and follow me. And it's interesting that when they made that decision to follow him, it didn't just all fall into place. Like, faith didn't come really easy for them. They didn't forget all the things that they had been taught in the religious arena. All of that was still things that needed to be worked out and worked through in them. And I, I find that very interesting because you, we would have thought, don't we always say, man, to have been with one of those disciples, to have been able to walk with Jesus, how could they have not gotten it right? How could they have not understood who Jesus was? Right? He was right there. But it was actually after he left before they fully understood who had been with them. And it was Peter who then went forth after they had been in the upper room and the Holy Spirit had come, who Wade preached an awesome message on Holy Spirit last week. But it wasn't until that happened, until after the resurrection had occurred and he had fulfilled what Isaiah had spoke about, 
about the Messiah that was to come. The one that David spoke about in the Psalms. The Messiah had come. Surely he must have been. So it's interesting how we can also become blinded to who Christ is in our own life. And what he brings to us and for us. And let it not be once we've gone so far down the road that we reflect back and be like, oh, that was him. But that is what happens, right? When we look in the rear view of what we've walked through and then we sing about his faithfulness because where he has brought us from is not where we are, which is a beautiful thing. Y'all are beautiful this morning. I'm telling you, there are so many surprises in this room right now. I just don't mean to like jump the curb to this message. There are so many surprises in this room. I'm so happy to see every one of you. I'm not going to call you by names because I don't want to call you out, but I am so excited to see you all here today. Every one of you. Not only, I just think about how much joy it brings me and how much more joy the Father is to see you here this morning. So we're so happy that you're here. And today, it's interesting because today, I, it was, I was telling Wade, we were talking about, he was, you know, I told him, I said, I've got these two messages kind of tumbling around in my spirit. And I said, and I'm not sure. There's one that I want to preach that I feel like is the direction that God wants me to go, which would make sense, right? It would be easy. Just go with that one. That's the one he wants, right? But then there was this other one. And I was like, but Lord, who's going to be there to hear this message, which I feel like is so important and significant. <laughs> but if I preach this other one, it's good too, but this one is a foundational message. And now it kind of makes sense to me. <laughs> it makes sense to me. And one of the things that I, I want to talk about this morning is covenant. And, you know, those disciples, they made a covenant with Jesus to follow him. And in the Bible, the Bible talks a lot about covenant. Covenant is, uh, it, the word of God is built on covenant. The kingdom of God is built on covenant. And covenant is so significant and important. And it is a vow or an oath would be the definition of covenant. A vow or an oath that is made between people. God, he's really good at covenants, and he makes covenants that he keeps. <laughs> we make covenants that we don't always keep up our end of the oath or the vow, right? And so as I began to think about that uh, covenant in relation to many things, most of us are most familiar with covenant when it comes to marriage, we know that that's a covenant that is entered into. We are also in a marriage covenant with the bridegroom, with Jesus. We are his bride. And we have been betrothed to him. We have been promised to him. He has come into a covenant with us. And that covenant said that uh, he, will, he has gone away to prepare a place for us. And when his father so deems so, he will return for us. But in the meantime, he said, I made covenant with you where I made a promise that I paid for your redemption. And you have been restored to new life in me. So when we think about marriage covenants, that's a covenant that's entered into. The thing about a covenant is the only way it's going to work is if the two agree. 
Otherwise, the covenant is no good. And it becomes a broken covenant. And so when we enter into an oath or an agreement with someone or with Christ, we carry a responsibility as well in that relationship, in that covenant, in that vow, to be faithful unto that thing, to be faithful to that covenant. It is a higher thing than just a pledge or a promise. It carries a higher weight and a higher measure than me to just make a promise. Now, this used to be the way the world worked. Like, covenant was the way it was done. You could take a man or woman at their word. What they said meant a lot. A handshake, anybody can agree to this? A handshake was as good as done. If you shook hands with someone, that meant that it would happen and it would take place. That's all you needed to go on was that handshake. We are oath breakers in our culture. We are not good at keeping covenant. Yes. And he does forgive us. And he does. And over and over we see in Scripture about the redemption process of how much he loves us. The story of Hosea is a perfect example of how much he loves us. And over and over and over, Hosea took that, his wife, back into himself. Over and over and over. And it's really just a story of the same that we do, right? We break covenant, and then he draws us back. He pays for us again. He redeems us and brings us back into covenant with him. And so, a covenant works only if we don't allow all of the little things to become big issues for us. One of the things that... um, I find really interesting as, um, as we think about how God creates covenant with his people. And I want to turn to Song of Songs. Not many messages are preached out of there, but I happen to really like it. I actually fell in love with it in the Passion Translation. It's really beautiful. But in, um, in that, I'm just going to see if I can find it. I meant to make a note for myself. I believe it's in the second chapter of Song of Songs. It's a beautiful love story. Beautiful love story. Of how he takes us from a place that we... Yay! Thank you, Jesus. How he takes us, he woos us and bids us... And draws us to himself. And in Song of Songs, that's what it's all about. And, and, the, bride, and the bride is eager. You know, first she, she plays, anybody ever been through the courting process? You know, you play a little hard to get. You, you know, you, you come in a little and then you pull away a little. And then, you know, it's all kind of part of this uh, cat and mouse game a little bit. Where, you know, she's, she's ready to dive in to the bridegroom. And then, and then she wants to run away and hide from the bridegroom, and then he's bidding her and wooing her to come because he loves her so intricately. Not only does he love her so much that he wants her, that he understands that as they come into covenant together, then he wants to share the gift that she is 
with the world. Because she's so full of him. She's so full of him that the light will bring delight to those around her, inside of her. It's really beautiful. But right in the middle of this love story in chapter 2, over and over and over in the Song of Songs, he says, Now is the time to arise and come away with me. Now is the time to arise and come away with me. He's always wanting relationship. Covenant that is intimate and significant. But it says in verse 14, it says, For you are my dove, hidden in the split open rock. It was I who took you and hid you up high in the secret stairway of the sky. Let me see your radiant face and hear your sweet voice. How beautiful your eyes of worship, which is what we just did, did we not? We just worshiped him. And lovely your voice in prayer. You must catch the troubling foxes, those sly little foxes that hinder our relationship, our covenant. For they raid our budding vineyard of love to ruin what I've planted within you. Will you catch them and remove them for me? We will do it together. I find it so interesting that in the middle of this love story, he reminds her that you got to watch out. Although we have this beautiful love story taking place here, this beautiful relationship and covenant, there are going to be these little things that are going to pop up. And these little foxes can spoil the whole vine that can take what was created to be beautiful and in unity and wreak havoc on it and steal from it. Then he says, would you go and remove them and I will come with you. So there's a responsibility on our part to take care of those little foxes. And those little foxes will cause a covenant to be broken. In that covenant, those little foxes can be things like personality differences. Maybe the way I speak is different than the way you speak. I'm a southern girl. Can you tell? <laughs> and when I first started sharing, I got the opportunity, the privilege to share, to minister from a platform. I don't really know how to talk about this, so y'all bear with me. But when I first started to do that, I noticed that there were all these wordisms that I used. And I would get this really weird look and feel back from the people out in front of me. Because they were understood in the South, but they were not so understood here. And so there became a, an issue between our communication that created this block to where you could not hear clearly what I was trying to convey because of the words that were coming out of my mouth. <laughs> and so I had to change a little bit the number of wordisms and cliches that I use because you didn't understand what I was trying to say. <laughs> I'm not saying necessarily that that's a little fox. But what I'm saying is that we have to be aware of our relationship, even with one another. And that what, if I'm not careful, those little foxes will create areas 
of conflict. And it will cause the covenant to which we have entered in together to become broken and separate us. And so today I want to talk to you a little bit about the vision of the house because we can get really stuck on those little foxes. They can become the big things. And so I'm going to apostolically speak, but also I'm going to pastor just a little bit this morning because I love you, Wade and I. And I was sharing with him a little bit about where I thought this was going to go, and I told him, I said, if at any point you feel like there's something that you need to share, please do that. So we're going to work this together just in case. But we can't, there is a mandate. If you are a part, we believe that you are a part of the well family. When you are not here, when I don't see your face, I pray for you. I wonder where you are at. It's as if a part of the family is missing. Because see, just like in the upper room, they all received their own measure of the Holy Spirit. Full and complete. But when they came together and it set on them like tongues of fire, it became something that then that group of people went out into the streets and thousands were brought to the kingdom that day. Because what we can do separately may be great, but what we can accomplish together is supernatural. It is supernatural. So let me pull up my scriptures. There's one in Ecclesiastes I want to share. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 12, this is New King James. Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. I don't know a lot about cords and ropes, but I do believe that even in like the nautical world, a three-strand cord is much stronger than a single cord are a double cord. And it's interesting when you think about that threefold cord. The first time I had opportunity to really think about that cord was a, at a wedding. It's a good place to use that. And I found this to be true in our, which speaks to covenant. All this speaks to covenant. Okay. I found this to be true in my own relationship. If I haven't said it yet, I think it's because I'm just coming to terms with, I can't believe it's been 28 years in November that we've been married. 28 years. Wow. So incredible. <laughs> I just did the math again because I have this sign hanging in our bedroom and it says the date that we got married. And I did the math again just to check. I was like, yes, in fact, it has been 28 years. <laughs> and that's a beautiful thing. But when God wasn't a part of that strand, it was a much bigger battle. Because you have two different people that don't understand, <laughs> that don't get it, that come with separate agendas and separate ideas. But with that threefold cord, when we put God in the middle of our covenants, and I'm talking about marriage covenants. I'm talking about relationship covenants. I'm talking about the covenant you make with a body of believers. 
When we lose sight of the fact that God is at the center and the forefront of everything that we do, that covenant will break because we are human and we are fallible and he is the only perfect one. But if we allow him to wrap himself around us in unity, he brings the bond of peace and the spirit of unity to the body. And it makes that covenant withstand the test. So that my quirky personality isn't the thing that derails our relationship. That when I have an off day and I say something ridiculous, you say, ah, I'm going to pray for her today. Because that's off. And I'm not going to allow that little fox to create a wedge between our relationship and the covenant We're not going to lose sight of the vision to which we have been called, which is to build his kingdom. If we all spend our time doing what it says in Matthew 6, verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, which is his character, which is who he is, and all the rest will be added to you. If we keep him in the forefront If we keep him in the center of this strand, this covenant relationship that we have come into, we have a lot of covenants. We have a covenant with God. You have, some of you have a marriage covenant. We all as saints and believers have a marriage covenant that we've come into. But we as a body of believers are also in covenant together. And it benefits me for you to be a part of the kingdom. Because there is a portion that God has deposited in you that I need. And that's why when you're not here, I miss you. And that's why when I stand up here, I feel you draw from me, the Holy Spirit. (laughs) And I am as well drawing from you. Because we are in relationship, covenant, an oath. The world does not understand this kind of connection. They don't understand this kind of commitment to anything. We're not even committed to the kind of coffee we drink. And Lord knows that's a religion all in itself, right? I mean, I've got my preferences, but if they're not available, I'll go with something else, right? But that's not what God has called us to in covenant relationship. That means that while I may be struggling right now, I'm not going to say, oh, they are too much for me. I'm walking away from that. Now, there are unhealthy situations, and we have to guard ourselves from unhealthy, abusive situations. It's funny because Wade used my scriptures last week (laughs) in his message. But it, it talks about, in the passage of Scripture that he, that he uh, shared last week in, in Corinthians, I don't have it pulled up, so I can pull it up, but I'm just going to paraphrase. But it gives a list of all of these things that keep us from inheriting the kingdom of God, fornicators, you know, um, gossip, uh, people that slander, uh, revilers. Those things will keep us which are abusers, those things will keep us from entering the kingdom of heaven. We can't just pick the things that we want to. We have to take the word as a whole. 
And so you may be wondering, what exactly does this all have to do with covenant? Well, it has a lot to do with it. Because we like to cherry-pick Scripture and miss the context in the heart of what God's truly saying to us. And as I get the honor, and it is an honor, to walk with you through really difficult things, but I also get to celebrate you and with you through the really joyful things, it is an honor. But I have to know that I know what Scripture says. Because I do carry a responsibility to make sure that I can lead well. And I fail often. And I have to apologize to you. And I have to humble myself. And it's something that we work on all the time. Because that's not human nature. That's not easy to do all the time. But because our relationship is more important to me than my opinion. We have to be willing to go low sometime. And love each other through a difficult situation. And when it's a moment where we're like, this doesn't really line up with their character or what I know about them. Then don't use that moment to become offended by what they say or do. Recognize that that's not her nature. Katie doesn't normally act that way. So there must be something going on. And I need to extend her some grace. And if something feels off, don't wait for the other person to call or text. You call and text. You reach out and find out what's going on. Because then if you are the one that's hurt, don't be upset when somebody else does it. You're relying on them to be so in tune with the spirit that they know what you need. But scripture says that God knows what we need before we ask it. Not Becky or Wade or Bev. I want to. I want to. I want to know that. I said I wasn't going to use names, but this was so cool. I mean, no joke. I was standing right there and I knew Donna was coming. Like in the spirit, I heard it. Donna. And I thought, oh, she's coming. I didn't know you were coming in the door right that minute. But I was so excited. I looked at Wade. I said, wait, God just told me she was coming. <laughs> I need your portion. There are times. Do you see the worship team, what happens up here? The way they work together? They're in covenant with each other. There's a thing that happens with the worship team. And they have to depend on each other. Katie's got to know that Lucas has her back. And Lee and Sophie and anyone else that joins the worship team, it's a thing. It's a thing. That when one, you see, we don't notice all the things. There are probably things that you notice, but you don't notice all the things. Lee's, uh, you know, his uh, um, drumstick breaks and he's got to get, you know, they, they account for those things. They account for the limitations. If one voice is cracking and fading, another one will rise up. To fill in the space. If one forgets the word, somebody else will fill it in. Because they're in covenant with each other. They've made a commitment to each other. Now, whether they came in feeling all on today or, or whatever they may have faced before they got here. And I'm just using this particular ministry as an example. Because they lead us well. 
And then there's this nonverbal com- communication that takes place, signals and body language that takes place to keep it moving in a particular direction as they've sensed the flow of the Spirit. See, it's not all laid out just perfect because we got to leave room for that first chord that winds them together. And there's a lot more happening in this space than what we recognize. But if we allow those little foxes to get in the way, then that stops the flow of the Holy Spirit. So now when Katie looks at me and she's like, I think we're ready to transition, or Lucas gives the nod, all that happens. Like when we sense in the Spirit that things are ready to transition, that's a thing, that's a real thing that we have to figure out every week. (laughs) Where's God taking us? I'm not like, oh, did Katie just cut me a look? (laughs) Is she mad at me? I know that we're okay. Does that mean we're always okay? But I know that even the times that we're off a little bit, that our relationship, our covenant, our oath, and our vow to each other carry us through that. Wade and I went through a season where we couldn't even talk to each other on Sunday morning. We were like, just don't talk. (laughs) Just don't talk to me. I won't talk to you. We'll just get there. (laughs) It happens. It's just the way it is. But we didn't want to break the covenant. We didn't want that to become so big that then we couldn't function together. But which is much bigger I don't, does anybody know who Francis Chan is? He and his wife, actually, they're on the kind of the same cycle. I think their anniversary, they've been married as long as we have. And so for their 20th, I think it was their 20th, they wrote a book, um, You and Me, I think that forever, You and Me forever, something like that. And uh, so we went on an anniversary trip, and we took that book with us, and we thought, well, we'll read it. Man, I didn't have to get past the first two chapters. And I was like, oh, I don't even need to read the rest of the book. But what he talked about, he said the one thing that kept them together, that kept them focused, is that they recognized that they were in covenant with each other for a greater purpose than just to pleasure the two of them. Just for what they could get from the relationship. That there was kingdom purpose and destiny attached to their covenant. And that is what kept them from letting the little foxes destroy the covenant to which they had entered. And we can do a really good job of breaking covenant with one another to where there is nothing left, to where a new covenant has to be entered into. We can do that. We've done that, right? And when people are unhealthy and broken, they can't join into a covenant with someone because they bring with them all that brokenness. And when I come into covenant with you, I'm committing to walk with you through the good and the bad. And as long as you're willing to fight, actually, I'll probably fight longer. Just my nature. I'm going to fight for it. I don't let go very easy. And just because you may not hear from me, it's not that I don't pray for you. 
And I'm not thinking about you because I am. Because I have joined into covenant with you. So it took us a while to decide how we wanted to do um, membership. To us, really, in the beginning, it wasn't even that big a deal. We were like, just hungry people, just bring them in. You know, we'll just all be hungry together, and we'll seek God. And why does it have to be any more than that? Is it in the Bible? Does it say you got to have a membership? You know, like, what, what's really the... And so for us, at the well, we decided that covenant was the thing that we wanted. Family covenant is what we call it. And it's an oath and agreement between us and you that will agree to these certain things. I'm not trying to get you to sign the covenant this morning. I'm just trying to explain the significance and importance of covenant. And in that covenant, it's laid out what you can expect from us as the well, but also what your responsibility is, because that's what a covenant includes. Whenever God made a covenant with people, with the people, he would share with them who he was and what they could expect from him, but he would also put expectation on them. And so in that covenant, it really does speak about you protecting the body. That's really what we ask of you. And that you get on board with the vision of the house and you promise to walk in unity with that. And that covenant works really well when we're in a good place. But when we hit seasons of struggle, it becomes hard to hold to the covenant. But that's when we grab a hold. We remember that we're planted by the water, and we hold on. Because what brought us together, it was not my personality. I'm not charismatic enough. I can't woo you. <laughs> I'm not a big talker. So my natural ability is not going to keep you here. But our heart for God, which is the thing that brings unity... That we can all, as saints, all across the world, as saints of God, Jesus is the thing that connects us to one body. That we can agree on that thing. And then from there, it becomes about mandates and purpose. And because I can't, Wade can't either. I mean, he's really handsome. I was just telling him this morning how handsome he was. And he's like, no, I'm not. And I was like, yes, you are. Anyway. <laughs> Too much information for y'all this morning, I'm sure. <laughs> oh. But we're not the biggest personalities in the room. And God didn't call us because we were. But we're devoted to God. And we love him fiercely. And we want to abide in his presence. And we want to create an atmosphere where that happens. And God has brought you along to be a part of that. Because you're hungry for those things, too. And there's something that connects you to the house, to the kingdom of God. <laughs> so with that being said, if we can agree that we don't want to allow the little foxes to spoil the vine that we are in the midst of a beautiful love story. <laughs> really, we are. It's messy. It is messy. But it is beautiful. And sometimes I might be frustrated with you. 
but it doesn't change my commitment to the covenant. And there are certain times I am absolutely certain you are frustrated with me. But if we can allow, if we cannot allow those things to derail the greater purpose and the greater assignment. And you may be thinking, what in the world is going on? It's not even that. But I am telling you that our personalities will clash. And you may think that the wall needs to be green and I think it needs to be gray. That should not be the thing that separates us. And you may think that we sing way too long. That's culture, so you're just going to have to like that one. Because we love the heart of God. And we know that even when we're facing a battle, worship goes first. And it's an opportunity for us to minister to the Father. So just come 20 minutes late. And then you'll only catch part of it. (laughs) You know? I mean, I'm not totally encouraging that, but I won't be offended. (laughs) It's the beauty of the body. It's the beauty of the body. It's the beauty of the body. So we have to be in family covenant. We need to have common goals. And there are covenant relationships that I absolutely hold dear in my life that are so important. And there probably are with you as well. Things that blood doesn't even connect to except for the blood of Jesus that was shed, but not biological blood. But you've committed to stand in that covenant relationship, come thick or thin, as long as the covenant's not been broken, then becomes another issue of a broken covenant. But if you're willing, if the two are willing to walk in unity and work through the hard things, then you can do it. Recognizing that God is in the center of it. So today, I want to share with you a couple of things that are vision-focused about the house, that are beyond my personality, and those, my southern accent, and those things that separate us. <laughs> but the common goal, because that's covenant. So we're, um, there, you know, churches, body tribes of people can all look different. And man, we are a unique incense in this house. I really just love what God is doing, what he's brought in, what he has allowed to happen here. It's a really beautiful, beautiful thing. But, it, you know, there are different tribes of people and they do function differently in the kingdom and we do carry a specific mandate um, in this house and we know that the vision of the house is uh, to cultivate a culture for more of God more of his presence more of his power more of his purpose that's our vision statement but God placed a mandate on this house uh, not by our asking or choosing really (laughs) but he did it and that's 
that we're believing for regional breakthrough. We believe that that's part of the house. Regional breakthrough that will then spread. Bigger than what my mind can fathom. And so everything that we do really drives us that direction. But we have to know that there will be opportunities for the enemy to try to come in and cause us to lose our focus. Okay? And so we try to fall, we try to not just do good things, but we try to do God things. That's a huge difference. There's a lot of good we could do, and, and works isn't going to work for us. We weren't created for works. We were created to do good works. And it's from the overflow that we do those. It's from the beholding that that fuels us. It's so interesting. As we were talking about the message this morning, it's been weeks and weeks of all the voices that have been speaking into the services from Ken and Katie and Wade and myself. We're learning to behold him. And that in the beholding, it creates, it produces this fruit, which Katie taught about Sunday night, produces the fruits of the Spirit in our life. But we have to spend time with him, right? We have to. And then Karen, her message as well. She talked about us residing, living in the holy of holies, which he is calling us to do. He spoke that to us as in the spring. To minister to God. If we will seek his kingdom first and his righteousness, all the rest will be added unto us. It won't become about, hey, this is a good idea, let's do it. Or this is a good idea. We should do this. We should do that. We should go this direction. Maybe we should try this. We will be exhausted. Exhausted. And that will be the fruit of our own hands, which is, which is not eternal. Right? We're laying up treasure in heaven. So for us, it's been um, a process of, okay, God, what are you saying now? So in the spring, we did the first conference, which was a big deal for us. We're a fairly small tribe of people. And so we took on this because God called us to it. New Life Gathering. It was great. Great fruit came from it. And so sometimes what happens when you do something and it's good, then you're like, well, we got to do it again. But honestly, we really try to seek God before we do it again so that we know that God's actually calling us to do it again and we're not just doing it because it was a good idea and we had a great time and lives were touched. That's good. But is he really setting this in place as a thing for the well-to-do? And so after it was over, we waited some time to see if he was going to call us to do it again. And he did, and we will be doing it again. But I need you to understand that we're not just looking to do things. But we want to do the God things. And they need to align with the mandate on the house. That conference was not just for this house. It was a beautiful gift, actually, because God began to do the work in our own people. The theme was from dry bones to new life. And he began to do the work in our own lives to, to create 
to do the things that needed to be done so that we could then minister to the other people that were coming. And that was wonderful. And so if we know the mandate is for regional breakthrough, then what you also have to know is that we have to walk in unity. And it's not just about this house. And, and it can appear sometimes that we are small, but I will guarantee you that we are mighty. And that what is happening, the shaking of the ground that's taking place by the prayers and the incense and what's coming from this house is significant in the kingdom of God. Because we are like that three-strand cord that is wrapped together. And God is leading and guiding. And our leadership team, which is not just Wade and I, you know, this is a five-fold house, so we have a team of leadership. You are always welcome to ask questions. If you wonder where we're going or why we're going, you can ask those questions. And that's okay. We may not always have the answer. But we'll do our best to answer your questions. And so, so when someone would say, well, are we going to do it again next year? I'd be like, I don't know if we're doing it again next year. And I didn't at the moment know if we were doing it again next year. But it was not long till he said, yes, I would want you to do it again next year. And because it will probably be something that we continue to do, now I know that, now we know that, we are going to call it The Gathering. And then each time we do it, it will probably have a specific mandate or theme on that. That's all I'm going to say for now. When God does speak to us in my personal practice, I probably hold it kind of close to me for a while. And I don't just release it as soon as I hear it. Because I need confirmation from the Lord. So there are a couple of other things that I feel like I'm supposed to share with you. Because I want you to know that we are actually going somewhere. And that most everything that we do will not just be for this house. It will be for the region. It will be for other believers to join in and us be a part of it. Unity is not easy. You have to work for unity. It doesn't matter if that's just one person or if that's hundreds of people. And outside of God, it's almost impossible. But with God, it is possible. And so things that we do will always include other bodies of believers. Almost always. And that will not always be easy. But it's worth the effort because of the impact that we can have. So that being said, 36 hours of incense. Now let me show you what can happen when you're not obedient to the full measure of what God's asking you to do. So it's been a, a, over a year since God spoke 36 hours of incense. And I remember... I remember being af afraid, I mean, nervous, maybe is a better word, to release the idea to our leadership team because 36 hours is a long time. That's a long time for continuous prayer and worship. That's 36 hours of a long time. <laughs> That's more than 24. <laughs> it's more than 12. 
And so when, when I first shared that, it's funny because even as I was sharing it, I was like, I knew that it was coming out big, you know, like that's a big thing. You know, you, you start thinking all the logical things. How many people do we have? What's this going to look like? I can't stay awake for 36 hours. What are we, how are we going to make this happen? You know, what's, all the things start happening in ourselves. We start trying to figure out how it's going to all fix, fit and not how it's all going to work. And so, um, is this okay? Everybody all right? Y'all okay? Is it okay if I just share my heart? Um, so, I shared it and I said, but we don't have to start with 36 hours. We'll work up to it. Maybe we'll just do 12 hours to start with, and then maybe 18, and then eventually we'll make it to 36. And honestly, it was like God said, nope, that's not what I asked you to do. And it never came up again until about four months ago when he said, now's the time. And we had the dates, which God had given confirmation that it was time for 36 hours of incense. So be careful to be obedient to what God's asking you to do. And make sure it's okay with him that you make modifications to his plan. <laughs> because I don't fully have all the understanding, but I have enough obedience to know to just say yes. And here we go. We're going to follow God. We know that this 36 hours of incense is for regional breakthrough. There are other bodies of believers that will be connecting to this. That's why we have it on social media. So it's public so that any believer that wants to touch heaven in a form of worship or prayer can connect to it. Because it's not about a house, but it's about a kingdom. It's about the kingdom of heaven. And it's about advancing that kingdom of heaven. And so we're a part of that. The other thing that I want to share with you, did you pull up the graphic, Nathaniel, the 36 hours of incense? I mean, it's, there it is. You've probably seen it. Revelation 4, 8, where the heavenly beings and angels are worshiping 24-7 around the throne, saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The other thing I want to talk to you about is... Um, this scripture Wade used last week too. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, it says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as the Spirit of the Lord. Beholding as in a mirror. There's that beholding word. This is also about us being unveiled. We come to him unveiled. Moses had to wear a veil. Wade was sharing this last week. You know, the children of Israel didn't want to look upon it. It scared them. It made them uncomfortable. So Moses had to put a veil over his face. It was also a glory that faded. But see, because we have Jesus, our glory doesn't fade. We actually just shine brighter. We go from glory to glory. So it's a never-ending well of his glory. But it comes from our beholding as in a mirror. Because as whatever we behold, we become. Right? So what are you beholding? Because that's what you'll become. So we behold him so that we can be transformed from glory to glory. Now I could go into what that word means, the metamorpho, which I know I've talked about some. But it is that, trans that, that metamorphosis, which is changing from one thing 
to another. We're not talking about evolution where, you know, you were walking and now you're swimming. Like, we don't, I don't believe in evolution. But we are being transformed from one thing, an old way of being, to a new way of being, which is actually our original design, the return to the garden of what he intended before sin entered into the world. Okay, so unveiled. Here we are. So um, I heard the words in prayer, unveiled. Unveiled faces is what I heard. And so in my spirit, I thought I knew what that word meant, but I wasn't so sure about it, so I wrote it down. It was the same kind of moment I had with Donna. I heard it in my spirit. I knew that Donna was coming, but I just wanted to hold on a minute. I hope it's okay that I mentioned you that many times. We got two Donnas here, which is super sweet. But anyway, <laughs> I feel like I had a Katie moment just then, just so you know. <laughs> but um, I, heard, I thought I knew what it meant, so I wrote it down, and I just let it sit. Well, it was just within days. I got a message from someone that does not know me. They've been to our church a couple of times, but I could not tell you their whole name at the time. Didn't know who their husband was or anything like that. And they said, I've had a dream, and you were in the dream. And so they went on to tell me about the dream. God speaks to me through dreams, and he can speak to you through dreams. He wants to speak to you. He's looking for ways to get the information to you, just so you know. And he's willing to try just about anything. So she tells me this dream. She says, we, there was this thing happening, and there were all these women milling around, and um, one woman would put something on a table, then another woman would come and take it off, and then another woman would come put the same thing on the table. She said, and there was all this chaos. And she said, and you and I just began to look at each other, and we started to pray. And as we began to intercede, a peace came over, and unity, a spirit of unity came into the atmosphere. And so... Um, I was like, okay. I thought, felt like that was a confirmation of what God had spoke to me in prayer. Well, in the meantime, I had also had a dream. And in this dream, I had been given a house. It was a big house, big, huge house. The house was under construction. It was so large. There were these tarps hanging where parts of it were being remodeled. There was this huge staircase in it. It was very detailed. I was showing this woman around. And Sophie, she's got her own Pinterest board. She's not married yet, but she's got her favorite wedding dresses, all pants. We're always looking at wedding dresses because that's a fun thing to do as a girl. It's just one of them things a lot of us girls like to do. Maybe not all girls, but a lot of girls. And so we were looking at all these different kinds of dresses, and she's showing me she likes this particular style. And I remember telling this person, this woman that I was showing around, I said, uh, there are all these wedding dresses in the middle of this house, more than David's bridal. I mean, and there were so many, hundreds, maybe thousands of wedding dresses. And there were some in there like Sophie likes, and they're just, you know, it's just crazy. Let me take you in there and show you the wedding dresses. And as we were walking towards there, women would come out wearing these dresses. And they were all wearing all different kinds of wedding dresses. And so I took her into this space, and I was showing her around. I said, you can try one on, you know, just pick one out. Try it on. See what you think. And so at the same time, I could feel myself kind of getting prepared for what was about to happen next And we were about to congregate in a space in this house. It was so big. There were these pews set up, and there was a podium standing over in the corner of where the pews were. We were about to gather over there in that space. And that's about where the dream ended. So based on what God, the word that God had spoke to me in prayer, the scripture that he had given me, 
the two dreams that had now come forth. And then I had someone walk into the office of the church and they said, I feel like that God wants me to do something with a women's ministry. And I, I mean, all of it was unfolding within seven days. So what God had spoke to me was that it was a women's ministry. Unveiled. Unveiled women's ministry. Preparing the bride for the bridegroom. And for some of you, that may not seem significant, but to me, that's God speaking really loud and very clear. What I knew, based on the dream and the way it all played out, is that it was not just for the well women. It will serve, and it, we will be fed, but it's bigger than us. And so the next thing that needed to take place was I needed to gather some kingdom influencers, some women in this region that were kingdom influencers, that were involved in other areas of ministry. And I did that. We hosted a tea here. And there were five churches represented at that tea. And we casted the vision. You want to pull up that graphic, Nathaniel? Seek him first. Seek his kingdom first. What we are doing is not about the one but it's about the kingdom. It will bless the one. It will bless you and you will grow and you will be transformed and you will change. But I'm not going to be the one that's going to tell you six steps to not being depressed. I'm probably not that person. But I'm absolutely the person that will pray down heaven and is willing for us to go after the things of God. Because it's not about us. We have created a religious system that has made it all about what can I get? What can I get? Versus what is he? Who is he? What has he provided for us? Not about what I can feed you today. Because if you're relying on me to sustain you, it won't happen. I can't sustain you. I'm in no... No way mad or anything. I'm just trying to be really clear about the fact that we have a mandate to build the kingdom of God. Just like the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we are constantly trying to figure out what does heaven look like. Because if it's happening in heaven, we should be seeing it on earth. And so I want you to know that we are pursuing the mandate of God on this house. And unveiled is another way to do that. I don't know exactly what all that looks like today. It's the first time I've mentioned it to the body. Because I felt like the first thing that I needed to do was to release it to kingdom influencers in the region. Because it was going to be bigger than just this house. And there are going to be ways for us to connect with that. He didn't say that we had to have all the numbers to call us to things that are bigger than we are. So don't get afraid. Don't start wondering how we're going to do all this, because we do that anyway, enough for all of you. But to recognize what was happening here is bigger than, the, than us. And if it's not God's size, it's probably not God anyway. Has anybody ever heard that? 
<laughs> if it's something I can do in my own strength, it's probably not what he's really calling us to. But as soon as we know more about Unveiled, so that we can lead broken women to the place that they can see their lives transformed and that they can come to him with unveiled faces to encounter him in a way that changes their existence and their eternity. You don't think that won't impact regional breakthrough? It will. These are only a few things. And you men are not left out. I'm just sharing with you today what I know. And the reason I wanted to share that, Lucas, can you come on up? The reason that it was significant, I think, for you to understand covenant, what you're agreeing to, what we are in oath together, the vow that we've taken together, what we are committing to as one, is that I'm not going to allow your personality and your quirks to derail the covenant that we've come into together. And I'm asking you to commit to that as well. Those are called little foxes, and they will destroy the vine. We're right in the middle of a love story here, people. And it's a beautiful thing. And he's looking to build a kingdom, and he wants us to be a part of it. Is it easy to walk in unity? It is not. I'm summarizing the whole thing right now. It's not easy to walk in unity. But it's worth it. It's worth it. And with God's help, if we'll continue to remember that he is at the center and the forefront of everything that we do, then those little foxes won't become the thing that spoils the vine. Are we going to encounter brokenness and discord and issues that have to be figured out? We absolutely are. But if, like Francis said, with he and his wife, when they recognized that it was bigger than just the two of them, then that covenant became something that both of them could walk towards. And so in your covenant relationships, and you probably have them, you'll notice that the enemy probably fights really hard for those relationships. And we should fight even harder. But it takes two to walk in covenant together. And that covenant has been put in place by God. And we have to be willing to do the work to do that. And I promise, I vow, we vow to be patient with you. As God transforms you into his image, if you will vow to be patient with us as he transforms us as well. And we promise to chase hard after God and what he's mandating and calling this house to. It is, honestly, there have been moments, things that we have experienced in this house have been things I have never experienced in God. I have experienced him in measure of words that I cannot even express in English. And I've been in the way a long time. 
been a Christian a long time and I've experienced the hype, but I wouldn't trade this season of experiencing who he really is and to know him rightly for anything, for anything in the world. So we are a people hungry for God. And covenant is at the heart of that. Wade and I entered into covenant with him to build this. And when we first started, it was like we were on a train ride and we knew for sure we were not the conductor or the engineer of that train. Honestly, we were just hanging on. Things were happening. Doors were opening. And I always get reminiscent because we're about to step into our third year of all the things in the fall. It all started happening in 2019 in the fall. So it makes me reflect back on that. Do you have something you want to say? I hope this wasn't too laborious for you, but I needed you to hear the heart of the house. And that we commit to stopping those little foxes. Sometimes I'm like, I want to torch those little suckers. And I like animals. But man, sometimes I'm like, let's destroy those things. Because they get in the way. They derail what God is trying to do. But we stick with it. We walk through it. I look at y'all and I see the things that we've walked through together that we could have allowed to cause a separation. But because both of us felt it valuable enough to work for, we've been able to stay in covenant together. It's really beautiful. I'm completely humbled by you all. That anybody would show up here on a Sunday morning to be a part of what God placed in our hearts. We were like, well, we're going. We don't know if anybody's going to show up, but it's what we're doing. <laughs> Feels nothing short of a miracle to us. And there is something special happening with, with y'all, with us together. It is special. It is special and significant. So will you stand with me? I have to remind you that a covenant only works when two are willing to work together on that thing. And that God be in the center of that. Sometimes we lose our way and we got to carry the weight of the other person we're in covenant with. And that's okay for a season because there's grace for that. As we work towards unity but we got to both be willing to work towards unity in order for that covenant to work. We want to thank you for listening in today. At The Well, we believe in cultivating a culture for more of God. Wherever you are in your relationship and walk with God, we believe that there is always more for those who diligently seek after Him. If you would like to find out more, please check out our website at thewellmichigan.com and connect with us on social media.